Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Well, good morning, Crossroads. How's everybody doing this morning? Come on. How good was it to see what God has done this past week at Kids Week? Watching lives be transformed. You know, Henry Blackaby says, discover where God is moving and working and join him there. Right, and so what would be a great blessing uh, to our staff, especially our kids team, is as you guys exit, as you walk by, when you see Hannah, when you see Abby Lee and uh, Isabella and Ryan, some interns that served so hard this week, give them a high five and say thank you. Uh, all, that, all that they put in, I tell you what, every snack had a connection to what the lesson was. Every game, every craft, it was all interrelated to, to reinforce this message of Christ being magnified, that kids would come to know Jesus and understand the depth and the reality of who he is. They did a phenomenal job. Uh, so if you'll go by, give them a high five, and then as you high five them, say, hey, I would love to serve in kids ministry, all right? Um, we, listen, Crossroads, we're not about numbers. Y'all, y'all know that. Uh, but last week alone, let me just paint a picture. Um, there were 170 kids back there last week alone. So kindergarten to fifth grade was 105 and 65 newborn to preschoolers, all right? So we, we are all about community. We're all about life groups. But we're also gonna say is, listen, we also need to, to be a part of help and serve. And so many of you guys did that in a great way. Uh, but maybe just be praying, hey, what would that look like for me once a month? If we all just served once a month, the impact that would make, what God is doing, if you didn't see the, the smiles on their faces, Right, so many kids are like, hey, Hannah, how come Kids Week isn't two weeks, right? And um, she's like, because I probably would die, right? But um, man, let, let's, let's partner alongside and let's just be a church that rallies around uh, God's word and then taking God's word, whether it be students, whether it be kids, into the ends of the world. Hey, your senior pastor, Pastor Marcus, just so you all know, he is in Mississippi. And uh, there's a unique thing that a community there is doing to where all of the churches in their community. So imagine all of the churches in the woodlands gathering for an entire week of blitzing their community uh, with the good news of the gospel. So that's where your pastor is this week. Uh, he'll be preaching, uh, I believe, six different messages plus devotions every single day this week. So if you could just be praying for him, um, how cool is it that our pastor gets to go out and continue to be an extension of what we say here that we want to go um, be a missional church, and so he gets to partner with that across the United States and minister to other churches, and so that's where he's at, and he'd appreciate your prayers throughout this week. Well, hey, we're in the the tail end of a series, Summer in the Psalms, so if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles to Psalms chapter 37. Psalms 37, the, the thought is, is that this summer wouldn't just be a summer of traveling and of vacations and of rest. But it would be a summer for us that we travel deeper into the depths to get to know our great God. That we would, like a little kid uh, diving into the pool, that we would dive into the depths of God's word and we would splash around in in the, the depths of the fullness of who our God is, discovering him perhaps in ways that we've never discovered him before. And Psalms 37 is a unique one. David, later in his life, pins this psalm a lot more like a proverb. Rather than directed vertically in worship to God, it's really directed in wisdom towards the next generation. And so David's gonna, what I imagine is that David is at his his lake house early in the morning. Right, he, he's got his Cracker Barrel chair there on the back porch and he's ground his own coffee and he's sitting there rocking and reflecting. 
rocking and remembering, rocking and recalling all that God has done. As the sun's rising in the distance and the mountains are standing out there to the side, I can imagine him just being overwhelmed with his recalling and his remembering of what God has done in his life. And as the spirit pricked him, it's like I have to get a pen and a paper and I've got to write this down so we can pass it to the next generation because I don't want them to miss it. I don't don't want there to be another, another transitional season like the nation of Israel had when after Joshua died, there arose a generation that did not know who Yahweh was. David's like, I want, to, I, want to, I want to pass this down. I want to download it into the next generation, the things that I have learned in the laboratory of life. Principles and characteristics, a recipe for the life that God designed for us to live. I wonder if you were to, to think about Maybe what your grandpa or your grandma or an aunt or uncle, someone that's older than you, what, what would they tell you in, in the state of life you're in? If someone older, if the Yoda in your life, so to speak, could come back and give you some wisdom, what, what would they say? I mean, would they say, hey, you need to invest early in life? Would they say that don't be afraid of, of failure? That success is defined way different than what the world defines it? Would the words of wisdom be, build your career around your life, not your life around your career? Would the words of wisdom be, perfection doesn't exist? Or perhaps what you have is not important as who you have. I was thinking, man, what were some of the things that I would tell myself? And uh, I've already laid out the disclaimer that me and dancing are not simpatico, all right? I don't like to dance. Uh, but I could go back and tell my teenage self something. Uh, my wife loves to dance. If you saw her on stage, that's her zone, all right? So I would tell my younger self, uh, homeboy, learn how to dance, all right? Just do it for your wife. And all the females say amen, right? I'd probably tell myself, hey, put the basketball down for just a little bit and pick up a drill, all right? There's a cool phrase for some guys. They call you all handy men. Um, man, I am. Handy, I'm not. All right? And so it would be cool if I, if I knew how to work a drill and I could build some stuff. Right? As I would go to the gym and I worked out with some of the guys this past week in, in, in high school, I would have told my younger self, don't skip leg day. All right? Legs are important. All right? I mean, there's some things that we would pass down to ourselves with some words of wisdom. And David this morning, not just David, but I believe the Spirit of God wants to, wants to download and pass some words of wisdom to you. So Psalms 37, kind of written in an acrostic form of the Hebrew language, each verse taken on the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. David pens this psalm. And as I was driving into church this morning, as if right here out this light. Now, y'all, y'all, does anybody else struggle with this light over here that it never turns, it never turns green fast enough? And so in the name of Jesus, you're like, Jesus, turn it, make it green, or I'm going to go and forgive me, right? Um, but I was there, and I was like, Lord, what do, you, what do you have for me today? It's really easy often to, to, to preach or to listen and, and just kind of speak or hear in, in a, a broad sense. But the Spirit this morning said, Josh, uh, I've got a word for you, and I believe the Spirit would say the same thing to you. I've got a word for you from, from, my, from, from this book of truth Would you lean in and allow it to intersect and impact your life in a real way this morning? And David, fresh out the gate, Psalms chapter 37, starting in verse one, 
He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of the wrongdoers. And if we were to focus in on those, on those first two words here, just for a moment, David says, hey, listen, out the gates, all right, David probably just got done watching the Kentucky Derby or the Indy 500. He's got racing on his mind. Perhaps he was playing Mario Kart and he got that speed boost and he's trying to like beat his record time. But he's thinking, fresh out the gates, what do I want them to know? He says, fret not. He says, fret not, meaning literally worry not. Fear not. Be scared not. Be anxious not. I mean, David, he's, he's reflecting and recalling and remembering his life under the good hand of our great God. And he's remembering all those moments. As a high school kid, he remembers what it was like when all of his brothers were brought in when Samuel came and he was left out in the field. Man, my own, my own dad doesn't even believe I'm good enough. Who's this guy Samuel, and how, how can this really be? Maybe when he, w- was in, when he was taking food to his brothers while they were at battle, and he's wondering and fretting and fearing, I wonder if they're even alive. I'm gonna show up at the battlefield, and what if they're not even, they're not even there anymore? He has a moment of courage. Hey, I'm gonna stand up to this guy named Goliath. He's pretty tall, but my God's taller. And so he, he gets on the armor from King Saul and he has to tell the king and look him in the eyes and say, listen, this armor is not gonna do. I just need some rocks. Confident in God, yet still in his human capacity, having some fear as it forms on his brow. Imagine the season that he would have fret, fretted and feared as, as Saul was was after him in an all-out pursuit, and so he's sleeping in the wilderness, moving from place to place, wondering how close and how quickly Saul will get to him. Maybe it's fretting and fearing, will Jonathan really stay true to him, or will he give away his position? Maybe it was fretting and fearing when he had a plan to cover up his sin with Bathsheba by killing her husband, Uriah, thinking it would work, but wondering, I wonder if it backfires. Fretting and fearing when Nathan approaches him and reveals his sin. Fretting and fearing when his son Absalom is, is now trying to, to usurp his authority and take the kingdom from him. I mean, Dave, David knew, David knew the condition of the human heart, the very condition that you and I sit in here today with. David knows it. And so at, at first glance, we're kind of like, yo, 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 like, don't tell me to fret not. It's like saying, like, don't be hungry when you're hungry. Like, I'm hungry. Like, don't just tell me not to fret. Like, you don't, you don't know the situation I'm in. And although, although I don't, the Spirit does. And David says, listen, I don't know your exact position, but I've been in similar places. And what David knows is something that, that we ought to understand as well, is that the more that we burn for things, the quicker the fire catches. The more that we're burning for things, this, this word fret literally means don't get heated. The more hot we are with fret, the more the things around us begin to ignite with fire. And David's saying, listen, we need to extinguish this. In our day and age, he would say, he would say hey, chill out. Hey, don't get yourself all up in a tizzy. So that sounds really insensitive, David. Thanks for, thanks for being kind and gentle with me. But, but notice why he says, do not fret. He says, fret not yourselves. And then he unpacks kind of two camps that are coming in on him. Because of evildoers, verse one, 
Be not envious of the wrongdoers. Hey, listen, as I look around the world around me, there's a lot of evil going on. As I look around the world around me, there's a lot of wickedness that is rising up. And it seems as if evil is winning. It seems as if the wicked are prospering more. And so there's this, this fear and this worry about, well, well maybe, they're, maybe that side is the side I need to be on. How many of y'all, y'all are sports fans? Where are my sports fans in the room? You, you enjoy some sports. Now, um, I would argue one of the greatest parts about watching sports is the, is the back and forth, like, anxiety of the game, right? When one team goes up and there's a momentum swing and it's kind of back and forth. Blowouts, like, that's not my thing. Like, I want an intense game. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I want to see that. And, um, and I, love, I love just watching how the teams, you know, who's going to crumble quicker or who's going to make the last second play, um, but to me, like, to know the score and then watch the game would be extremely boring, right? Like, that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, my father-in-law, he is the direct opposite of me. He literally will not watch the entire game. If it's a big game, he'll watch the entire game. He'll then come back, look up the score, and then he goes back and watches the game. I'm like, you are wasting your time, and you're not even a true fan. Like, nobody in their right mind would do that. Like, what are you doing? He says, Josh, there's a reason for that. Because when I know the final score, I don't get as anxious throughout the game and my mood swings don't happen when I'm worrying about what is gonna be the final outcome. In a similar way, David's saying, listen, fret not. Look at what he says. Fret not yourself. He unpacks it. Because of evildoers, because of the envious. Why? Look at verse two. For they will soon fade away like the Texas grass that is gone in your yard, right? I mean, they're gonna wither away. They're gonna be gone. Look at verse, he's gonna unpack this more. Look at verse nine. Look at verse nine. Fret not for evildoers, for they shall be what? Cut off. Look at verse 10. In just a little while, the wicked will be what? No more. Look at verse 15. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Look at verse 20. But the wicked will perish. Again in verse 28. But the children of the wicked shall be cut off. Again in 35 and 36, that he will pass away. And one more time in verse 38, the transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. David's like, listen, one one of the reasons I can fret not is I know the final score. As believers in Jesus Christ, we know the final score. We know who comes out victoriously. And so I look at the world around me and it seems as if It's all-encompassing and pressing in around us. David would say, pull yourself back and shift your focus. He'd say, hey, listen, put on a new set of lens. It's as if the lens crafters, David would say, they ain't got nothing on God's goggles. What he has for you, if you would view life in a different way, not your circumstances, but seeing your creator. Not seeing the worries of today, but seeing the promises of tomorrow. Because David quickly, in, in one brushstroke, says in verse 3, hey, let me shift from what you shouldn't do to what you should do. And David gives us four different pieces of the recipe this morning of what we ought to do when it seems as if everything is caving in around us. David says, starting in verse 3, he says, trust 
in the Lord. Hey, trust in the Lord. Hey, when all else is breaking loose and there's fret and there's fear and there's worry and there's anxiety, what I need you to do, I need you to trust. I need you to dig your fence post right here, put all your stock in this. I'm trusting, and then what am I trusting in? The location in and the person who, the Lord. For David, everything goes back to his theological understanding of who God is. Your and mine relationship with Jesus, it's all dependent upon our full and complete understanding of the nature and the attributes of our God. A God I do not know is a God I cannot follow. And a God that I do not know is a God that I cannot fall in love with. And it's got to extend beyond elementary stories into theological truth. For David, he's like, Lifton, listen, I understand that you sift spaghetti through a strainer. So let me just sift the spaghetti noodles of life through God's word. Let sovereignty be the, the basis to which, even when I don't understand it, and even when I can't explain it, I know my God is sovereign, I know my God is good, and I know my God is with me, and thus I can trust in the Lord. What David would say to your heart and my heart this morning is this, if what you see is all you see, then you won't be able to see what really needs to be seen. Think about that in your life. If what you see right now, if what you see is all that you see, then what you really need to be seeing won't be able to be seen. And what the enemy wants you to do is have such a narrow vision and focus on the worries and the stresses and the pressure of this world. And if he can get us to focus on that, it takes our eyes off of the goodness of God. And if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a position that we're shaking our fist at God, asking him, why did he do this? David says, listen, what I want you to do is recognize it's not about a life of, of fretting, it's about a life of trusting. The first step for you and for me is to walk in our trust and our faith of God. So this, this, this kind of pushes us a little bit, though, because in church, we typically want to learn new things. Like, give me new revelation. So we think that our, our spiritual barometer, the growth meter of our faith is if I learn something new, if there's this new revelation, then, then man, in my devotions, I really encounter God today. Or if the preacher taught me something new that I've never known before, then, then that's what's going to help me become a, a stronger and a better believer. I would argue that it's not always new, the discoveries of new revelation, but it's the application of old revelation. Like what we don't need is necessarily more head knowledge what we just need is more faith and more obedience than the knowledge that we already have. David says, listen, it's elementary, I know, but it is crucial and it is essential for your life. The very thing that you're lacking trust in right now, the very thing that you're fretting about, the very thing that's keeping you up at night, the very thing that's weighing you down as you sit and listen, but your mind can't detach from whatever it is around you. David says, it's in this moment, in this it's trusting in Yahweh, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the covenant-keeping, personal, relational God that knows your circumstance and also knows the very thing that he's doing next in your life. He knows what's right around the corner. Nothing's caught him off guard. Nothing's surprised him. 
And David says, my God knows, and I didn't know, and I didn't see so many things in my own life, but my sovereign God does, and so I can, I can trust in him. Notice he says, and, and do good. It, it, it's crazy because the more that we're weighed down with fear, the more we're weighed down with worry or fretting, it's hard for us then to lean into doing good. Because the more that I stress, I don't know about y'all, but the more that I stress and the more that I fear and the more that I worry, it actually leads me to doing evil things. David actually would unpack that later on in verse 8, refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. Look at verse 8. It tends only to evil. David's saying, listen, in the midst of your trusting, I need you to do good. I, I need you to continue to, to walk in faithfulness. Keep living rightly when fears pile up. Keep obeying when envy and jealousy are surrounding around you. Keep honoring me when wicked men are seeming to win. Do good. Trust me and do good. And dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. If you had to describe what it is you're walking with here this morning or the attitude to which you have this morning, would it be you're walking with an attitude of fretting or of faithfulness? Are you walking with an attitude of, of confidence in God or, or lack of confidence in God? David says the very thing that we've got to be close to that we're walking in step with, what there needs to be is a replacement, an intentional replacement of worry with worship. An intentional uh, swapping out and exchange the shift of our lens of what we're seeing, and then the shift of our attitude. You've heard it said before, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. We probably could also say, show me your attitude and then it will reveal your actions. And so as David knows, right, if I'm, so if I'm caught up in fretting and fearing, worrying, there's no way I can live out a life that's reflecting God in an accurate, clear picture to the world. So it says, trust. The second thing he says is delight. Look at verse four, famous verse that's on many coffee cups in your cabinets and wall art in your living room, right? Look at verse four, delight yourself in the Lord. And what? He'll give you the desires of your heart. This concept of delighting, this, this utmost joy, this highest passion, this, this greatest of cravings. David's like saying, hey, let's, let's shift from running after, maybe we'll say, ramen noodles and rice cake. No offense if you like ramen noodles and rice cake, all right? But let's maybe shift from going after ramen and rice cakes to some steak and potatoes, amen? Right? Let, let's make a shift. There's something better out there for you. If you think ramen noodles are better, we can meet in the hallway and we'll talk afterwards, right? But David's saying, hey, I've, God's got something better for you. So don't fall in the trap of running after the things that this world is trying, is trying to offer. He says, man, take, take your delight in the Lord. Now, now, interesting, we always focus on the back half of this verse. Delight yourself in the Lord and what? He'll give you the desires of our heart. I'm gonna get a Tesla, let's go, right? I mean, we're all about the desires. Oh, I want my desires, and so if I link up with God, God will give me desires. Listen, this isn't name it and claim it. This isn't what can I get for myself. The emphasis here is on delight. 
The emphasis here is that you and I would delight so much in God that we would walk in harmony and in union and in oneness so close with God that God literally fills us up that it pushes the rest of our sinful, evil nature out. So what the result is, is that your heart literally mirrors the heart of God, that your mind is mirroring the mind of God, that your hands and your feet are mirroring the hands and feet of God. So if that were the case then what verse four looks like isn't a bigger home or a better job or a promotion. What it actually looks like is that our desires link up in such a way that we're saying, Acts chapter two, let me go sell my possessions and give to my church body so there's nobody in need. Hey, let me go defend the orphans and the widows. Hey, God's heart is I'm gonna love my enemies and I'm gonna pray for those who persecute me. Hey, God's heart is I'm willing every single day to take up my cross and follow him. God's heart is, I'm an ambassador. I'm an epistle read and known of men. God's heart is, is hey, let me take off my towel. Let me bend my knees and let me, let me wash some feet. Man, God's heart is so different. And David's like, listen, the life that God's calling us to live, if we would trust in him and delight in him and follow him, what we'll be able to accomplish is the very thing that God set out for us. So um, I think of it this way. Many of you all know that, that we've got four children. I've got two boys, a girl, and a boy. And so uh, my little princess, Baylor, she loves gymnastics. Now let me just be real because she's not in the room. There are some sports that are more fun to watch. Can I get an amen? Let's just be real, right? You got to go. You got to put the smile on. But there are some sports that are way more fun to watch. And um, so when I'm at gymnastics, my wife is always saying, put your phone away and be intentional. And I'm like, what am I looking at, right? Um, She's seven. But anyway, so on this particular day, my phone actually died. So I was engaged in gymnastics. So I had nothing else to do. And so I'm watching. And the coach, she's trying to learn a round off back handspring. And uh, so the coach says, Bailey, come over here at his particular station. It's time for you to do a round off back back handspring. And she literally, I watch her. She's like, Mm-mm. I'm like, oh, snap. Like, y'all think my daughter's sweet, but she got a sassy side to her. And um, I'm like, Baylor, you can't tell the coach no. And so he laughs her. He's like, Baylor, he's like, what's my position? And I watch her shrug. I can hear him because he's facing us. She shrugs her shoulders. I, I, I don't know. He's like, I, I'm a coach. My job is to teach, equip, and help you learn these moves so that you can do them on your own. Hey, he says, so Baylor, here's what we're gonna do. He's like, do you think I'm gonna drop you? She's like, maybe, and he like flexes. He's like, I'm not gonna drop you, we got this, and he gives her a big high five. He's like, I'm here, I'm gonna spot you, and we're gonna do it together. So I think so often we hear verses like this, and it makes sense to trust in the Lord, but then practically we're like, uh-uh, I, I, don't, I don't wanna follow you. Like, I, I don't know if I can do that, God. And David leans in and says, listen, trust in your coach. Trust in the creator of the universe. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in him. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. What would it look like if we were a mass army of believers whose hearts mirrored the heart of God? What would that look like in your home? What would it look like in your school? What would it look like in your job and in, in the teams that you're involved with? David says, listen, not just, not just trust, not just delight, but how, how about commit? Look at verse five. Commit your way to the Lord. See, David understands that the more that we fret, the quicker we want to forfeit, right? The more we fret, the quicker we're like, man, I'm out. Peace, God. See you later. Hasta la vista, baby. 
I did that Jesus thing, it didn't work out for me, sorry. Right, we wanna raise the white flag and we're throwing the towel and we wanna bow out and David says, no, 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 no. Commit, be steadfast, be fixed and immovable, be, be glued to. Literally, the terminology in the Hebrew is, is to roll up. Um, two connotations, one, to roll up in, meaning closeness to, but also to roll up and then to pass on. So this double imagery of like rolling up in the Lord and then rolling up a, a circumstance or a situation that is too heavy to you and then literally passing it on. David says that that's what it means, trust, delight, and commit. And all three of those are trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord. Why commit my way to the Lord? He repeats it at the end of verse five, trust him for he will act. If you were to read the back half of this psalm, you would see over and over again how the Lord acts for the righteous, for those who have accepted him and the work that's done on the cross. He says in verse 17 that God upholds the righteous. What do you mean God will act? Hey, God will uphold the righteous. Their heritage, verse 18, will remain forever. Future promises that David banks on Verse 19, they won't be put to shame, but rather have an abundance. Verse 24, that he'll hold their hand. Or verse 26, he'll give to them generously. Verse 33, he won't abandon them. And he ends in verse 40, he helps and delivers them. David, always looking future, always focusing on the final score, says, listen, how do I live a life that isn't so burdened and weighed down with fretting? Well, when I know the end of the unrighteous and the end of the righteous, I can trust, I can delight, and I can commit. And then he says, I wanna leave you with this. How about verse seven, how about be still? Oh, that's the hardest thing to do when we're fretting and we're fearing. This isn't a being still as in like a, an active movement. This is literally be still of the tongue. Why? Because in the moments of fretting and fearing, what do we always do? We're always talking about it. Who can I call? Who can I text? With your husband, with your wife, with your neighbor, with your friend. We're, we're always talking. And it's like we're continuing to fan the flame of the fretting and the fearing. And David literally says, be still of the tongue. Hey, God knows it. You've shared it with a friend, but listen, listen, just quit working yourself up even more. Be still and rest in him, be still before the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do you know that all of our waiting here on this side of eternity, just as we wait for certain circumstances to come and go, we wait for different things within our own lives, it's really just mirroring the ultimate wait that we have. We're, all, we're ultimately just waiting for that one sweet day when Jesus and Revelation will return and we get to be reunited with him. And so whatever circumstance you're walking through, it, it's just an example of the future waiting of what we're doing when God will come back to not necessarily fix every little thing here on this earth, but to literally redo, make a new heavens and a new earth and a new home that we can be in union and communion with him. And David says, you can bet on one thing that our God will act. Maybe a little bit differently than what you thought made a way that, that wasn't what you had anticipated or maybe even prayed for, but would you be still and wait on the Lord? Because how we wait matters. How you and I wait makes a difference. 
And as David pens this psalm as a, as a psalm of encouragement, I wonder what is it this morning that is your big worry? What is it this morning that is your big, your big fret? And what would it look like if in that moment, rather than focusing on, on all that's happening within that situation, what if you replaced it and substituted it with trusting, delighting, committing, and resting? What would that do for your soul? What would that do for those around you? Because David says, listen, I've learned a thing or two in the life of the school of hard knocks. And though everything doesn't always go the way that I wanted it, the one thing I can be sure of and the one thing that I can rest in and the one thing that I can take to the bank every single time is that my God is good and my God loves me. He doesn't always fix everything the way that I want it, but he gives me a recipe of how I can walk through, not just to, not just to get through, but to shine through in life. And so as we leave and exit here and, and, and we have these things that are waiting for us as we exit these doors, what do we do? We trust and we delight and we commit and we rest. And a silly maybe illustration with a, with a serious truth, um, there's a ride at Disney the Buzz Lightyear ride. How many of y'all been to Disney and seen the, the Buzz Lightyear ride, all right? And so you get in and you're trying to, you're trying to attack eagle, evil Zerg and you gotta hit the bullseye and you get po points for it. So I'll never forget the first time that we, uh, we went as a family to that ride. And of course, my kids, they want their hands on the wheel, right? They wanna drive and they wanna shoot and they wanna do all of it. And I'm like, guys, why don't you let me drive and you shoot? Like, no, dad, we're gonna do it all. And I'm like, all right. But I'm telling you, we'll probably get a better score if we work together as a team. No, Dad, I got it. And so Weston, he was a little kid, and he, I was riding with him. And, and of course, as he's trying to steer, we're like, and we're shaking all back and forth, and we're flying around, and he's not hitting a thing. And we get done with the ride, and I'm like, hey, you know, Weston, like, why don't we try that one again? But this time, what if we did this? What if I steered and you shot? Think we can get some, some more points? Like, yeah, well, we didn't score very good on that one. I'm like, we, you didn't score very good on that one, son. Calm down, right? So we get back in line and we go through it, and and I, I'm able to navigate us a little more, a little more gently. And he focuses in on beep, 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 shooting. And we get done with the ride, and his face was lit up. He's like, Dad, that 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 one was better. And I thought about that, and I thought, man, like, so often I think I can control my life better than God can. I can navigate, I can, I, can, I, can, I can do them both. God's like, man, can we just, let's, let's do this together. You, you and me together, how, how, about, how about I steer and you serve? How about I steer and you worship? How about I steer and you sing and let's do this together? So this morning, maybe, maybe it's just that moment for you to say, listen, man, I've been, I've been trying this all on my own for far too long. It's time for me to trust to delight, to commit, and to rest. And if that's you, I just wanna pray over you. So Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word of encouragement. Oh, Father, the enemy loves to throw seeds of doubt and discord, stress and worry, come in so many different ways, then bombard us like a tsunami, and sometimes it seems as if we're drowning in them, but then yet we recall the goodness of our Lord, 
and they were reminded, as David was, of the fullness of who you are. And Father, I pray this morning that hearts will make that shift and they'll make that substitute. And it won't be them steering and directing and trying to live life all on their own, but they'll, in partnership with the Spirit, the, the living God that dwells inside the Son and Daughter of God, Father, that, that we would walk in harmony and in unison with you. And that we would recognize that the greatest recipe that we could follow is trusting, delighting, committing, and resting. So, Father, this week, that's what we want to do so that we can be a body of believers, an ambassador for you that reflects you in a way that is appropriate and accurate to the world around us. Father, for the hearts that's hurting here this morning, would you just have your hand heavy upon them in encouragement and in love? And, Father, may we leave this place with greater dependency upon you. And we ask all these things in your son's name.